Hello, and welcome back to Sarah's Space. With a little twist yet again, we're going to have a little video appearance, so a little Sarah Lee Sunday Speaks YouTube pairing uh, with my regular podcast. And I just wanted to say hello, everyone. <laughs> it's been a while. I actually, I didn't intend to have a month in between podcasts, but I think that this is the perfect time to segue into exactly what I think we're going to be talking about, or I'm going to be talking about this particular segment, is that I kind of hit a wall. Uh, it was probably a couple of weeks ago, around the time that I was thinking I better get making another podcast. And I just simply woke up one morning and the months of approximately, you know, beginning of March when I'm starting to already hear the whispers of some strange things happening in the wind and uh, spring break was coming up and everything was sort of gearing towards this two weeks of frantic sort of break and then suddenly zooming back into what would have been the regular very busy dance season plus because now my daughter is involved in competitions on her own as well. And then, of course, as you know, COVID-19 occurred and the world began its slow process of sorting things out and shutting things down. And you've heard from me during that time period. And I certainly felt as though I had found my groove and figured out how I was going to cope with things and kept myself as ever very busy and trying to stay very positive and very focused and very determined to, well, forge new ways, uh, create new channels, um, stay connected and dance, lots of dancing. Yes, uh, my Zoom classes and uh, private Zooms and uh, of course, then finally getting back into the studio, also Zooming at uh, one of the studios I teach at most of May, being able to do Zoom classes. Uh, so I have felt not a lot of downtime in the sense of that that space that a lot of people I know have said, you know, I just feel like I'm stuck and I'm, I'm cleaning my house for the 15th time and I'm gardening and I'm knitting and I'm making sourdough bread and all these things that I truthfully did not have any time to do or did not make the time to do. And then I'm going to say it was probably the third week of May. I started to feel just tired, you know, just that kind of, wow, uh, being on screen and uh, being twice as on, I think, than I normally am used to with absolutely no introversion hiding out time than I'm normally used to. Not that I get a lot, but I think those little bits that I get are a lot more replenishing than I give them credit for because I just start to feel that sort of sloggy legging in my spirit. And then by the last week of May, I just start to get a little low. And that's the phrase I have for it, where I just feel as though the things that I can normally uh, brush off, the things that I can normally just kind of think about. I, I think about most things that have any sort of emotional resonance in me. I definitely think about them deeply. And it's almost like I have a conversation with my emotional self and my more intellectual self and we sort it out and then we move forward. But I began to feel like both myself were just wanting to hide out in bed under a duvet cover <laughs> for a very long period. 
I'm thinking close to, well, I would really love to sleep 10 to 12 hours. Yes, I know most normal human beings don't do that unless they're under some sort of state of sickness or depression. But I am a sleeper. I have always used sleep as a replenishment, a rejuvenation, uh, a way of reparation of both the spirit, the mind and the body, or not both, all three. And I suddenly was having trouble sleeping through seven and a half hours, seven hours. I was restless. I was waking up. I was having all these weird, short, fragmented thoughts and nothing was fully thought over. So that started. And then um, from there, I've just had moods of all varieties and ups and downs and and hitting emotional walls where I just basically want to cry. So... Having uh, brought all that to the forefront has left me with kind of a sense of, well, what do I want to talk about as I'm now sort of coming out of this, I call it like a bowl. It's a depression in the earth of where I was sort of trotting along, do 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 <laughs> And then I hit this little low level. And then it kind of went a little lower. And now I'm sort of just sort of semi-low level coming up the other side. And... Personally speaking, I know that I am going through a lot of hormonal changes. I know that I'm entering perimenopause. Uh, I certainly recognize signs and um, physical aspects that are unusual. And I am going to be turning 52 in two weeks, less than two weeks. Wow. So there's there's shift, definitely shift happening. I feel as though... It's a bigger shift than maybe ones in the past. It's a bigger birthday shift than maybe ones in the past. I feel as though I'm in a place where I'm trying to recognize and appreciate all that is going on in me organically and holistically as a woman at this time of my life while I am still parenting a nine and a half year old um, going on 18 some days uh, and trying to do her justice and my self-justice in the situations that require of me perhaps more energy and more patience and more, um, I would say, distance, more objectivity than I can necessarily always muster in this moment. So it's been a challenge and I do thrive on challenge. So I'm not saying, oh my goodness, I'm throwing up my hands. What am I going to do? But I'm recognizing that I am, am I'm, I'm digging deep to find the resources so what I want to speak to is that, that digging deep and recognizing that, you know what, uh, sometimes we have to seek within ourselves places that we don't necessarily always scour, that we don't necessarily always uh, delve into, mostly because we don't have the necessity to, and also because they are places that might have already had us in a place that is a little darker, a little more bereft than we normally are. And when we are having to dig into those places, we're really asking for help. And uh, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, do we have the patience? Do we have the place? Do we have the space for this moment, whatever it is that we're dealing with? And because my entire life really is dedicated to dealing with other human beings, I quite often find myself having to delve into places that 
are kind of like my archives or my library or my resource map in which I am saying, okay, Sarah, you know, you're not at your best right now. You're not feeling as bright and um, capable of fresh giving as you would like to be, but you know you have the intentions and these places within you. And if you're going to put yourself in these situations and still offer, then you need to find. And so I have been. And in the finding, it's pretty imperfect. And I guess I want to say that I am, again, learning to say that's okay. You know, some days I'm going to start, for instance, when I'm teaching an exercise and literally gap out and think, did I just do that side? Have I finished teaching it? Am I speaking out loud? (laughs) Is there someone in the room? (laughs) Other varieties of probably slightly disturbing appearance from someone else's perspective but for me I'm just having to say you're doing your best and your your heart intention is so good and that's good and you have put yourself in this situation so you can find the way to deal with it as gracefully as possible. I think that as a mother I ask that of myself a lot. My daughter is I would say displaying a lot of behaviors that I would call exploring the peripheries of prepubescence at nine and a half, which I have to confess and say is alarming to me. I don't recall displaying those behaviors until maybe my late 12th, 13th year. And I didn't actually enter into puberty until I was 14. And I just assumed, hoped, wished that the same would occur for my daughter. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Either way, it's not for me to sit there hope and wish because that's not in any way being helpful to her in the moment. So I do a lot of uh, breathing, a lot of pausing, a lot of looking off, thinking about what's my best response for this exact moment that's going to give her the space to be what she's going through Uh, but have some wisdom to fall back on, Uh, not have a reactive parent that maybe gives too much import to this fleeting second, but tries so hard instead to look at the big picture and realize that it's the entire map of many, many millions of moments that's going to create the tapestry that she goes forward with in life. And I have been digging deep for that a lot lately. I know that many, uh, many, many, many humans that are not used to being in such close quarters or being around each other so often have been in that situation over the last three, three and a half months. I am in that situation most often because of my choices for homeschooling and my choices for teaching Kira as much dance as I possibly can. Uh, and teaching, you know, I, when we're together, not that I'm constantly pounding her full of information, but I try not to let moments that could actually leave her with some more information go by because I don't do that with my students. I, I teach, you know, if a question comes up in a tondu or 
an adage or something completely unrelated to the question. It's either physiological or it's maybe dealing with the emotionality behind the physiology or maybe it's dealing with how that connects to the rest of their life. I regard it because I know that that is important and I know that in the long run, all of those many moments are going to make up the ballet class or the contemporary class. It's not just what great exercise was I able to come up with today because I think that life is really so many hundreds and hundreds of thousands of moments that we have filling our cellular structure and filling our memory banks that fill us with such feelings of, of dark and light and color and um, emotionality and wisdom and possible trauma and possible rectitude of the trauma and possible resolution of, of many different things along the route. And I, I feel as though this time of year always makes me reflective because it is, of course, the time of year in which young people are in going, undergoing a, a rite of passage, the graduation from their high school. And I did attend a regular high school as opposed to being homeschooled or correspondence at the time. And so I did partake in that to some degree. It's funny, I had the wonderful opportunity today. I was honored by being invited to a graduation sort of um, family celebration because, of course, regular graduation ceremonies are off. And I've had the honor of being able to do that on a number of occasions, but a small number of occasions. So they all stand out in my mind. And this was no different. And in this one, I got a chance to see not only the young woman at the center of the celebration, but some of her nearest and dearest friends, who I also have had the pleasure of teaching, and of course her family. And they're dressed in their finery, and they are these exquisite, bright sparks of life, really at the beginning of life. And there's that that beauty of their innocence, and their still their childlike qualities in their being and in their faces and yet they're women you know there was a couple of young men there but I didn't ever have the pleasure of teaching them and I I find myself just becoming so nostalgic but not nostalgic meaning oh I wish I I remember when I do remember when I graduated but it wasn't about a wish or a wistfulness and a I I wish I had done it differently. I know how I did it. And I, I love experiencing these different opportunities with these other young women and how they are choosing or their families and they are choosing to go through this rite of passage. It makes me feel, and my daughter was with me as well. So it was kind of like a, a spanning of time. It makes me very aware of how quickly time flies. It also makes me very aware of parenting as a whole and how I want to take each and every opportunity that come along and value them. And, you know, there's some times where I feel as though I'm challenged all the time on a daily basis, moment by moment, either by my own daughter or by the situations that I find myself in while teaching. And I ask myself sometimes in silence, either while I'm trying to fall asleep or sometimes in a pause just before responding, 
why is this challenge coming up? What is this about? What, what am I supposed to learn and what am I supposed to impart? How can I be, I do think these words, how can I be of use? How can I be helpful? And how can this become a blessing as opposed to a burden? And I feel as though those moments offer me a lot of reflection. And what I find come up again and again is that challenge is relative. And today's society is an interesting one. I feel like there are many that regard children as needing to go through these specific milestones and these specific uh, structures and these specific acts before they can move on to the next one. I would say that the school system is a wonderful example of that, being that we go grade, you know, kindergarten, grade one, grade two, grade three. We have to go through certain things within those grades before we are invited to or allowed to pass on to the next one. And I have to say that one of the things that really bothered me about my schooling was that when displaying the ability to take on more than what your particular structured grade is offering, you are told, that's okay. Just read, be quiet, help somebody else. In other words, no. (laughs) You're not going to be given a challenge. You're not going to be given... um, kind of a reward for that energy that you are imbuing this space with, which basically and clearly says, I want more. And I, I think I swore at a very young age that I would never put my own children through that. I just assumed that my children would have that same um, thirst and hunger for knowledge. I guess part of me truthfully thought it would be academic Uh, I never even dreamed of the dance aspect because dance was such an enormous physical challenge for me to take on because I was so designed for not ballet. Um, I really was designed for something of a much more athletic, uh, sturdy, (laughs) oh, that word. I was once called sturdy. And I swore I would never call myself or anyone else that. Reminds me of a table, a very well-designed and well-made table. Okay, let's not say sturdy. Um, Let's say I was designed for something more openly athletic. And that the aesthetic of ballet, particularly in the 80s, when I graduated in the 86, um, so I was sort of leading up to that, that big rite of passage from the early 80s on, It was definitely of the more um, ephemeral and diaphanous and um, delicate and exquisite. And I have always imbued an earthiness in the space around me and a solidity and a strength that although a part of me really did celebrate I couldn't openly celebrate it with what I had chosen to do because aesthetically it wasn't celebrated. So having said that, I never thought that my own child would be of a variety that had that type of physical facility and physical talent for dance. And she does. Um, She's hungry. She 
is a hungry learner in general. She loves knowing things. She's very particular about them in the academic front. So in the homeschooling world that we work through, I have to say that I do need to cajole her into learning things that she is less comfortable or less familiar with or I would say confident. Um, she just assumes that she's not going to get it, etc. Whereas when it comes to dance, she even when she doesn't get it, she thrives on the trying it over and over and over and over again and floundering and, and falling and faltering and and openly screwing up. <laughs> uh, and she's gleeful about it. And so I look at that and I witness that and I say to myself, I want to offer that child a constant challenge because she's hungry. Her entire being is energized by being fed something that she needs to work at. If I dumb it all down and and keep referring to her age and keep sort of indicating that, well, this is what everyone else at your age is working at, so we're going to stick with that, I'm going to kill that little spirit. A little bit like the one was inside of me, and I'm pretty ferocious. It's pretty hard to kill anything inside of me, but it did get to the point where never did I dumb down, never did I refuse to um, give up learning. But as far as the school system went, I just kind of went, rolled my eyes and went, okay, I'll go along with your game and your structure, and I will do all the necessary things to please you. And everything else I'll do on the outside, which has fared fairly well. I would say that I am pleased <laughs> with how I've managed to um, change that thirst for knowledge um, to be fed to me into more of an autodidact state. And I feel as though I've had the opportunity to learn a lot of things that have been of great interest to me. I do sometimes wish that I had been offered more of those opportunities within my school structure because there are gaps in my information. There are gross lackings of knowledge. That's not great grammar. Uh, in, in many um, academic areas. And I have only so many hours in the day. I smile because I think I might actually be, get a chance to learn them in my homeschooling. I've learned already some things about math, uh, grade four math that have been very interesting that in the re-learning and then teaching process, I realized that I didn't get a chance to learn them that way. So having said that, my whole goal is for that fire that I see in my child to keep burning. I am very aware and very conscious given my desire to be always anatomically correct and anatomically cautious and safe with all of the young humans that I work with and the older humans as well and myself as well. I don't force things. I don't pretend things aren't there. I don't um, fire up the child to a degree where I know that their determination is going to make them do something physically that their bodies are really not ready to do and could possibly harm them. However, I think that there are ways of being balanced and there are ways of keeping that fire burning bright within my child and all of our children at 
<coughs> excuse me, and yet still being conscious and aware of the needs to acknowledge their actual rate of physical growth and their actual maturity of brain development and to not expect the things that are going to, again, quench that, not quench, they're going to squelch that fire in a fashion that is um, inhibiting. So that is something I've been thinking about a lot. I've also been thinking about the challenge within ourselves that as we go through life and at all our stages of development, we will meet moments that feel as though they're pointing out maybe more negative things than we want to see about ourselves or that we feel ready to take on or that we are comfortable seeing. And I guess today, thanks to Benjamin Jury, shout out to my osteopath who is truly an incredible healer, um, empathetic and empathic to an astonishing degree as well as highly educated. I feel as though I was able to recognize through his treatment in both verbal and hands-on um, that I am not being as kind to myself as I am to everyone else and that the space and allowances I am constantly talking to everyone about in giving themselves both mentally and physically and also emotionally, I'm not allowing for myself. And so that's my journey forward from here is that I need to give myself that space to watch the superficial um, aspects of aging and to embrace them and to recognize that as we, as we embrace new things, we let go of other things. And I guess that's another aspect of this time of year with graduation and with leaving the amateur world of our dance world, or maybe not our amateur world because perhaps we're going on to a professional training institute, but we are leaving our familiar childhood home of dance and we're going out into a bigger world, a much bigger pond, and we are embarking on things that are unknown, scary uh, awkward, possibly going to have us trip up a lot, possibly have us feel less than what we want to feel. But you know what? That's all part of the growth. And there's nothing wrong with that. And feeling the unfamiliar and the, the fear and the little bits of, uh, oh, I just want to hang on to what feels right or what I'm familiar with with or what I'm comfortable with or where I'm complacent, worse yet, I don't love that word, uh, then, then we would never go forward. We would never develop into the amazing humans that I'm constantly met with day after day. And I think that we need to embrace all of those things. I think the more that we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, the more that we allow ourselves to be... I guess I want to say new, in new situations, then the kinder we are going to be to all of those around us. And given the times and given the events of today's world and how much open hate is in people's hearts or 
lurking in the surface of their skin or lurking in the tip of their tongue, that's a lot of self-hate too. And if we took a little bit of time and maybe looked at the fact that we are all living matter and we are all cellular structures and we are all going through life in our own ways, on our own paths, with our own shells, with our own skin coverings, with our own backgrounds, with our own um, parental structures. None of it's right or wrong. It's all what it is. And we are all going to experience that frighteningly unfamiliar. We are all going to experience that I don't fit in to some degree. Some people experience it on a daily basis all the time. Some of us are privileged to experience it only when we put ourselves in situations that are unfamiliar. And I recognize that. And I am doing my best to make sure that my daughter also recognizes that our unfamiliar is chosen. And our our feelings of not fitting in and our feelings of not being right or maybe sometimes not being safe are our own doing. And that there are millions of us that don't have that same privilege and that we all equally have the right to feel like we have a place to fit. And we all equally are fitting on the planet together. And we need to recognize that and give space for all humans to fit on the planet together. Whether we are um, meeting challenges with fire in our eyes at a young age, whether we are not, maybe we are not able to, maybe we are not in a position to, whether we are walking down a red carpet or we are walking up some muddy stairs, whether we are darker skinned, lighter skinned, covered in freckles, graying, wrinkled, fresh faced, baby cheeked, we are all really truly the human experience. And I feel as though I want to end this conversation with the recognition that I think that a lot of what made me hit my low was feeling as though humans were spending too much time dividing us off into boxes again. And I try so, so very hard to embrace everyone. And oh, speaking of embracing, I wish I could embrace everyone with my actual arms. That is actually feeling a, a gap, um, a big gaping hole right now where I wish I could hug all, all of you, frankly. <laughs> so maybe I will end it there before I become a little overly emotional and... Um, put you all through the ringer and just say thank you for joining me at Sarah Space and listening to my ambling rant about meeting our challenges and the challenges of our children, the challenges of the people around us with grace and with open arms and open eyes and freshness and giving ourselves the space to go through what we need to go through in the moment and not gauging any of it as right or wrong, and not gauging any of us as right or wrong. So thank you again so much for joining me in Sarah's space, and I hope that the next time I pull it together a little sooner so I can speak to you with a little bit more regularity.
All right. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.